You're listening to the Non-Tech Founders Podcast. <laughs> I, think, I think the second one was good. Maybe, maybe. Welcome to the Non-Tech Founders Podcast, fortnightly conversations about running a business as a non-technical founder. I'm Laura. And I'm Nathan. Join us as we navigate the developer-dominated world of entrepreneurship, bootstrapping, and beyond. In today's episode, we're going to talk about education as marketing, so how you can become an authority, help your customers grow, and market your product at the same time. I think this is very often overlooked, I think, by us uh sort of solo founders. I don't know whether it's a non-technical thing. I don't think it even is, but I think this is this is very often forgotten about and overlooked for because we don't think of it as being marketing. We think of it as being something something else, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like you either do educational so you become a course creator or you launch a SaaS or a product and there's nothing really in between. But actually often when you launch a product or a SaaS you end up doing so much education because you need to either get your customer to a certain point until until they'll be able to actually use your product or you just find, you know, you're talking to your audience and you find that they have all these different questions that you can help with and you send loads of emails and you help loads of people and you're like, hey, why don't I just make something educational out? Maybe it's a blog, a newsletter, or like even an ebook or something, lead magnets and all that stuff to just educate people. It kind of, it tends to naturally happen, I think, in a lot of product and SaaS businesses, but it's not necessarily something that people set out to do from the get-go. I think it, it remind, or makes me think of the, I say the olden days, when we look back to the golden era of blogs, and typically we were, I say we in air quotes, trying to educate our readers, audience, potential customers on a certain aspect of, you know, whatever it was we were trying to do. And I think back then, at least it was done almost in a, as a, as a byproduct of, you know, you, you created an audience or you, you set yourself up as an authority because you were writing about or trying to educate on a certain subject. And I think, at least for me anyway, it was almost by accident, you know, when I was writing a lot back about the freelance work and, and about the, then for proposals for Nusi and stuff, I think the, the, the marketing as, you know, education as marketing, I think was, for me, it was as a kind of a happy accident. And I think that's why maybe, I don't know, because obviously you came through at the same time as well. You were blogging then, you were doing, and I just wonder now if, I, I wonder if there is any kind of separation in the way that people who are starting, maybe young people who are starting SaaS businesses, product businesses now, maybe think about it a bit differently. Because if I think about the building public hashtag, you know, that's all over Twitter, I don't, see an awful lot of that going on i see more of the marketing promotional thing actually being the building in public as opposed to well do you know what let's let's try and help my potential new customers learn about an aspect of the business that could at some point in the future push them towards me you know or you know create webinars workshops you know speak about certain subjects other than something that's specifically about the the business i'm building i wonder if that's I don't know, maybe that's just something that I've sort of put in there myself. But if I think back to all those blogs and everything that did exist maybe 10 years ago, I think it was a very different way of working towards getting customers then. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I actually hadn't thought about it before, but 
you make a good point because thinking about, you know, my Twitter feed and just generally what I see going on at the moment, it does seem to be more focused on building public, which is basically, hey, look at this thing that I'm doing. You know, let me show you the ins and outs, the good and bad of how I'm building it and all that kind of stuff, which is really good. But yeah, maybe like a decade ago or something, it was more educational in this is who I'm trying to help. This is how I'm going to help you. And I'm going to educate you on something. Oh, and by the way, here's something that I'm working on Mm -hmm. as well. It seems to be, it might, it might just be like our circles, maybe that that's just the way it's going, but maybe, yeah, I think you're right in that there seems to be less educational marketing going on. It's more building public or just general promoting your product. Yeah, because I think they're two, I think of them as being one as being short term and one of them being long term. So you, obviously the, the building public thing is like, well, if it, is, if it interests you now, you know, what I'm actually speaking about, what I'm, what I'm promoting on Twitter or wherever you are, if you're interested in what I'm building right now, then you may well be a customer. But if you're not, that's probably pretty much the chances are they're never going to be a customer. But it, on, the, on the other side of that, if you're actually trying to educate somebody about an aspect of something that your product helps solve, then I think it's a different thing because you don't necessarily have to be interested in the product that I'm building on Twitter in building public. If I'm teaching ways to better present your, your, your projects to clients, then maybe that will interest you, but not necessarily my product right now. So I think of it as, as like a, a short-term play and, and a longer term, because if you can educate however that's going to be, whether that's through content, whether that's through webinars, workshops, you know, even just through tweets, then I think it's it's almost like an SEO thing. It's like it's not something you can put your finger on right now, but in the future you may be able to bring those same people back around at some point to your to your product. I mean, you've you've got a much better hand on this because you've started doing workshops again, right? Yeah. So for Client Portal, I last well in January I ran a workshop that was basically helping service-based businesses so high-touch service-based businesses it's going to be a series of workshops but build what I think the ideal service-based business looks like Um, so that would be having really high value clients who pay a lot of money rather than lots of smaller clients who don't pay very much who can be difficult you know micromanage and all that kind of stuff along with things like having recurring revenue for a bit of stability maybe getting into info products um and and i just sort of outlined what i think the ideal service business is and then it's a series of workshops to help people get there and there's a few reasons that i've decided to do that the first is i feel like for the last few years i've been a bit out of touch with my audience Obviously, I've had a lot going on in my personal life. You know, I became a mom, which is like a huge life-changing thing. Moved to a different country. I just haven't I just haven't been as engaged as I used to be. And so I felt like I don't really know who my audience is anymore. So I, I want to get to know them somehow. And I know from past experience doing live webinars, even though they're scary and hard, is a really good way to get feedback and get engagement. I also wanted to get data from them, really. So I sent out a survey. So I told them up front, there's going to be no pitch, but I will send out a survey that just allows me to learn a little bit about you. And you can fill it in. You don't have to. You don't lose out on anything. There's nothing hiding behind. If you fill this out, you'll get these extra free worksheets or anything. It's just, if you can, please do. If not, don't worry. Um, Because I wanted to collect some, just like I say, get to know them even more. And yeah, I feel like there was a third reason. I can't remember 
what the third reason was. Well, there, but, must oh, been, the, there must have been a business reason behind it as well, right? Well, yeah. So, yeah, that is the, third the goodness reason. of your heart. <laughs> well, my theory, well, I read a book. What's it called? It's like, I think it's called Badass or Users Are Badass or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I know the one you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically, I read it years ago, and it's basically about, you know, you need to make your customers successful. The more successful your customers are, the more successful you are. And so my thinking with Client Portal, and I was doing customer interviews and stuff over the last year, just now and again. And one thing that I got from them is that they, a lot of them wanted those higher value, higher touch clients. And I felt like those kinds of people who have the clients who pay them more are a better fit for Client Portal anyway. Um, because, you know, having some having this portal, it's not a must have for businesses, but it's like a really nice to have thing that just helps them go that extra mile, gives them that extra layer of polish, just makes them seem more professional than anyone else. And if you're sort of marketing yourself and you're a bit of a, maybe a commodity or a generalist or something, you might not necessarily be the best fit for client portal, not to say you can't use it, but I think it's better for people who have those higher touch clients. So my thinking is if I can get, help my customers or potential customers get to that stage in their business they'll be much more likely to buy client portal first off they'll be much more likely to use client portal and they'll be much more likely to get value from client portal and then stick around this is just mm. a hypothesis of course like i don't know if it's if it's true but it to me it makes sense it seems logical like yeah of course they're going to be if they're going to be more successful they're going to be more likely to use client portal especially if i if client portal's the company that's helped them get there as well so it feels like a win-win all round. And for someone like me, and I think yourself as well, sales can sometimes feel a little bit icky and it's not really that's the most... One, that's one word, yeah. Yeah, it's not really the most comfortable thing. Like I know that there's like stuff I could be doing that would probably get me more sales. You know, the really sleazy stuff that's not real, like fake, oh, we're running a sale that ends tonight every single day kind of thing. But it just, I don't want to be called out on it because that I just, I would, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I just feel too guilty. So education as marketing for me is like, it just feels ideal. I feel like it, it will work. Um, it's worked for me historically in the past. I feel like it will work in the future. It's difficult to scale. I think not impossible to scale, but just difficult to scale, especially if you're a solo founder. Other than that, it's like nobody well, loses. So I've got a few questions because I'm genuinely interested about this this webinar that you that you gave, and I know that you had a really good turnout, and people were, were really happy. I mean, first off, when when you announced this to your list, what kind of response did you get from the list? Really good response. I was blown away by the responses because, like I said, I had hadn't been very engaged with my list for a while. I couldn't believe how many people replied. I can't. I think I tweeted about how many. Um, it was a lot. Uh, I think within like the first few hours or something, it was like a hundred people had replied, which was crazy for me. That's I wasn't awesome, expecting yeah. that. And I think about 300 people were registered for the workshop, which I wasn't, I was expecting like maybe a hundred <laughs> or something because I hadn't been so engaged, but it resonated really well. And this is one thing I've been thinking about because I've sort of done workshops like this over the last few years, but my, I guess my heart hasn't been really in it or something. And I don't know what specifically I did differently this time, but it's like, it feels like they could, the people who 
got the email could tell that I was really into it somehow. I don't exactly know how. Maybe the email I wrote was just better. I know I did spend a lot of time on it. There was just something different about this time that I did it. And I think it's because I was really motivated as well. So, But I can't think of a concrete thing that I did differently because ultimately I followed the same kind of playbook, I guess, which is announce the webinar and say what's in it and send a few and emails in the past, about it. In the past, were they a series of workshops as well, webinars, or were they just singular events? I wonder if that might have impacted. Yeah, I think it was more singular events. I did a lot of like joint venture stuff. Well, not a lot, but I did a few um, joint venture stuff. And the first joint venture webinar that I did where I got an expert on and we did a webinar together went really well and I was really into it. And then I sort of tried to like, I guess, just repeat that, but not put as much effort into it. And despite using the same kind of email templates, the engagement was just so much lower. And I th I think about this all the time since it's only been like a couple of months since I've done the webinar, but I just, I can't specifically work out how this one and the ones where I've been really into are that much different. It must be just something in the copy that I'm writing or I don't know, something, but you can just tell. And I think that's important because some people, it's actually a a downside in a way because webinars like the one I did it took so much work it was it was a lot I really worked hard on it and it was quite stressful at times because I'd set a date for it and I was thinking I'm never gonna have this done and I wanted it to be really good but the fact that I am not sure it's awfully like repeatable and scalable worries me slightly because obviously I don't want this thing that I've created to just be one and done. I, I, I like things that work for me ongoing. So that's why I like email automation because I do it once and it kind of keeps working for me. So I'm a bit, little bit worried about the scalability of it, but I'm trying not to think about that at this point. Can it, can it not be scaled then though as part of a, an automated course? You know, obviously you don't get the live aspect, but then you do get those, uh, those classes. I think so. I think that's probably where I'll end up going with it. Um, not this year, but in the future, it would be really nice to record a course that would be, you know, free or something. Um, or maybe it's like an extra if you get client portal. I'm not really sure at this point, but it would be nice to do that in the future. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just a really good experience. I'm glad I did it. Um, I'm a little bit apprehensive about doing the rest of the series because I did forget how much work it was. Can you give me an idea of how much time went into creating that first workshop? Did, I mean, were you keeping track? No, I wasn't keeping track. I was just, I don't know. I was just, um, I think I didn't give myself enough time to do the webinar. I think I sent the first email and launched the date. And I think I had like a couple of weeks really to pull it together. And that just wasn't really enough time because I was working like full days. I was working some evenings as well, which I really try not to do in general. So if I'd have left myself more time, maybe it would have been better, but you know, maybe I'd have just left it all to the last minute anyway, who knows? Mm -hmm. so, I, and, so, sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say it was just things like, you know, slide decks always take longer than I think they're going to take for some reason. Mm -hmm. They're always hard. So do you have any idea of the, uh, the number of people who actually signed up to to do the workshop how many were already customers um i don't have specific numbers on that i know a lot of people were customers it was quite nice actually because i because i could see because when people would 
sign up, I got an email, like an automated email, which was kind of annoying because it would like clog up my inbox. But I read every single one because I asked a question about what industry they were in. And in my help scout, I have like, because I use easy digital downloads, I can see in the sidebar if they're a customer or not. And I just, I noticed that there was a really good mix of customers, current customers, people who were on the list, but weren't yet customers. But interestingly, there was a decent amount of people who were customers and have canceled their subscription. I kind of liked that in a way because I was like, oh, cool. So they've canceled their subscription, but it doesn't mean that they're not still, they don't still like what I do or something because with Client what? Portal, you can still use the product. If you cancel, you just don't get updates yeah. and support. So that was quite nice. Well, to me, I think that's, to me, if I was on the other side of that, one of those people had canceled, it would probably be because they were, and again, I don't, same as you said, you know, working as a commodity. So when those clients fall by the wayside and work starts getting thin on the ground, the things you cancel are the the software that is perhaps, should we say, not essential to, to running your business, but it doesn't mean to say that they're not still loving the software or, but you obviously tapped into that need, but okay, they've canceled. So therefore they want to go to this next level and to be able to get clients who are willing to pay a, a premium, you know? So it's kind of that promise of, I would love to be in a place where I could use this software, um, you know, on a, on an ongoing basis. So yeah. I think it was that, it was the ideal promise that you sold through that initial workshop. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it, it was great because I, I think I mentioned at the start of the workshop and in an email that I do plan on doing a lot of workshops this year. It's kind of going to be my theme. But I'm going to do um, three different types of workshops. So I've got this purely educational one, which is what I did now. And there's no strings attached to that. My goal is to help you be more successful. As you know, we've already said, if my customers or potential customers are more successful, they're more, su more likely to buy and use, get value out of Client Portal. I'm also going to do webinars for customers of Client Portal because I get a lot of people who buy but don't get set up. Um, or they get set up, but they're not really maximizing what they can do with it. And they need like help with, because they realize when they get client portal, they realize that they need more of a process in place perhaps. So mm. they're like, oh, what are my deliverables? What does my process look like? So I'm planning on doing another workshop, which will be hopefully a recurring one where customers can come in and I'll show them how to set up a process and maybe do like some kind of hot seat. Will these all be free? Will all of the workshops yeah, be free? all free. And then the third type of workshop will be for people who aren't customers, but are interested. And what I'll do is I'll do like a demo of the product live because I get a lot of people wanting one-on-one -on -one demos, but I can't really do that because I'm just mm. one person and a Q and A and, you know, that kind of thing. And what I think is nice about that way of doing it is I was thinking about my own experience with webinars and I don't like, I don't mind going to a webinar if they're going to pitch me something as long as I know that's why I'm going. So if I'm interested in a piece of software, I, I want them to pitch me because I, I want them to give me an offer that makes me bite the bullet to use it because I'm already interested. But what I don't like is when I was when there's a webinar and it sounds like it's going to be really great. I set aside the time, I turn up and it's just them trying to get me into their product. And I feel like the whole bait and mm -hmm. switch thing has been going on. I don't like that. I personally don't mind people promoting their products as long as I'm interested in it. And as long as I know what that's what they're doing. So that was my thinking behind this. So I said, I'm just going to be totally transparent. If you come to this webinar, this is about client portal. You know, we're going to be talking about it. If you're not interested, you 
probably don't want to waste your time in coming but I'm not going to try and like get people in promising education and then just turning it into a pitch for my product and I'm hoping that way of doing things will you know help people trust me well, that is, and... I was looking through the comments on that first on that first uh, workshop and that definitely did seem to resonate with a lot of people because there were a lot of people commenting on exactly that the fact that they'd been to so many webinars and it'd been a bait and switch and all of a sudden it went from sort of purely educational to this is our amazing product and you know you should buy it you should buy it you should buy it so i know there were definitely a lot of people that were feeling feeling that way but and and i think as well the the other side of okay so i'm not going to pitch you at all on this is if you think about conference speakers Typically, when you go to see a, spe- uh, a talk at a conference, while they may well involve their product or their service within that speech, the talk is always educational or informational about some point. And if, if it's valuable enough to you anyway, you will always want to go and find out more about who is giving that talk. Because all of a sudden in your mind, they are this authority figure on whatever the subject is that they're speaking about. So I think there's this inherent value in educational education for education's sake should we say not having a a spin or not having a a pitch at the end of it because if people really are getting value then they're automatically interested you know and want to know more about you and what you're doing and, and and how you can help them in other ways and if you can help them in other ways with your business with your software with your product then i think it's like a, a magic a magical byproduct of it um so you don't i don't think you even need to get salesy you know for people like you and i who do worry about the whole sales thing i think if you can just help people it, it automatically creates this sense of trust you know and uh, and that was yeah. apparent in the, in the comments they people trusted you and, and what you were saying oh good yeah i think it's another thing is a lot of people myself included historically focus on the amount of subscribers they're getting to their list because it's a nice neat number like am i getting like how many subscribers am i getting a day week or month how big is my list that's kind of like a a vanity metric but then you come to realize that actually a smaller but engaged list is so much better than a Mm. bigger and disengaged list so if you provide really educational content and obviously show people where they can learn more about you if they want to presumably the people who are interested and got value out of it will actively go onto your website and type in their email address and they will be so much more engaged than, oh, I'm going to hide all this like free stuff behind, you know, an email wall or something like that. I'm not saying never, you know, don't have a lead magnet or don't have anything like that, but there is something to be said about a smaller list that's more engaged because if you just try to con people out of their email address, um, okay, your subscriber count will go up, but your sales might not. And I noticed Mm. that first time with my list, like my list when it started, I think when my list was about 5,000 or something, it was super engaged. And uh, when it grew, you know, now it's about like 18,000 people. And I don't actually notice an awful lot of difference in, say, the workshops that I do. So when I did workshops to 5,000 people, I think I would get like about... I think I got about 250 people or something going to a workshop. And that was when I was super engaged. Now it's like 18,000 people and I got 300 people coming to the workshop. So it's like that list is so much bigger, but it's not necessarily better. But I'm also paying a hell of a lot more for that list. So, you know, your email marketing software is really expensive. So I could probably do with 
getting rid of some of my subscribers and I no longer see my list size as a good thing. And I now see unsubscribes as a good thing and less people signing up, but hopefully people who are more engaged and trust me more and like what I'm doing is better. And I've learned that firsthand. So what would you suggest then for people who you know are interested in in looking at whether that's running workshops or webinars or something similar, whether that's even through even through ebooks, you know, educating around a topic that could potentially bring in uh, customers in the future? What's what's the a way or a few ways that you might be able to look at that? I think for me, live workshops are the best thing that you can do. Even though I know a lot of people might not want to hear that because they are scary. Like I got super nervous. Can't we just pre-record them? <laughs> yeah. And it, it just make you nervous. And I, I felt like I was just on edge for like the couple of weeks that I knew that it was going on. And I was just, ugh, I, you know, I wasn't awfully happy, to be honest, because I didn't know how it was going to go. Afterwards, of course, I was buzzing with adrenaline. It was great. But live workshops are the best because you sort of get to know where it's go you know where it's not hitting the mark or where what people really like and you can kind of keep tweaking and adjusting it and then turning that into like you said earlier something more evergreen like a course or something or an ebook or something like that live workshops are really good because you get to engage more with your audience preferably i really wish i had a co-host for my live workshops because i think that would have made it even better um, but because i'm just me i don't really have anyone who could really do a good job of maybe steering the workshop and engaging in the chat and that kind of thing. But you'll just find that people are more chatty to you either in the chat or in email afterwards. So that would be my top tip, honestly, is to do a workshop. So after that first workshop, is there anything in particular from, as you said, you know, you, you can sense where people are, are more receptive or not? Is there anything that you're already thinking about changing for the next for the next one? I don't think so at this point because because that was sort of an introductory one. I don't have anything specific I'm going to change. I'm sort of seeing, honestly, the next year as just one giant experiment just to see how mm -hmm. it goes. And I'm hoping by the end of the year, if I do enough of these, I'm going to get really good at them and get really confident. Um, and I'll, I'll reassess uh, maybe next year to see if it's something that I want to continue doing for another year or how I'm going to move it forward but I think the first one was was good I don't think there's much I could I would change like I okay. say it's just the goal of that is just to try to get people to improve and to help them get better so it will be really interesting I want to figure out how I can track that so how I can get people to actually put in the work and do what needs to be done and how I can check that they are actually you know, it is actually helping them because there's no point if it's not helping them. So I mm -hmm. need to have a little think about that. Ultimately, it's just, uh, I'll, I'll keep it the same. For anyone who's interested in doing something similar, and I, I've thought about it many times over the, over the years, and I've always chickened out. You need to take a step back, don't you? I think from your business, you said you'd done customer development interviews to find that, to find that angle, to find that should we say blind spot? Well, not necessarily a blind spot, but that area of a business where where potential customers can feel that, wow, if I could nail this, then it would be a it would be a different place for me. But you say you got there through customer development interviews. Is there anywhere any any other approaches we can take to try and think about how we might be able to expand upon our central business in your case in your case client portal? Yeah, I think you just need to 
obviously you need to talk to you need to talk to your customers and talk to your audience if you can preferably over a zoom call or something like that but otherwise as long as you've got an email list you can just send out emails saying hey i'm thinking about doing this i'm not sure if i am going to at this point i just want to see how much interest there is or you could do something like i'm thinking about uh, i i want to help you blah you know, presumably you'll have some idea of what people want to get better at on your list. You'll have some kind of guess. Here are like a few different workshop ideas that I'm thinking of doing. Vote on which one you want, you know, or maybe order them in order of priority, which one you want to do. Or if there's, it's not listed here, you know, what else could I help you with or something like that? And you'll get quite a lot of engagement out of that. It's just basically, yeah, talking to your list. Cool. Well, uh, should we leave it for there? You're, you're dying with a uh, <laughs> cold coughing going on. It's probably best, grab some yeah. water. It's all gone. It's all gone. All okay. gone. We'll definitely leave it there then, shall we? <laughs> okay, yeah, sounds good. You know at this point how to get hold of us. If you want to grab us on Twitter and leave any comments or feedback, it's a non-tech podcast. And uh, yeah, we will be back for the next episode very shortly.